show tonight and i don't mean backlash 2018 oh that did suck though didn't it it was a truly bad show i mean probably one of the worst wwe shows i've thought of or seen in ages uh nonsensical booking uh, comedy segments that went on way too long yep. i mean the fact of the matter is that it was certainly not uh put together with the fans or the people in attendance in Newark, New Jersey in mind. No, it was definitely not made with love. Yeah, but, you know, for all of its uh, demerits, there's a lot going for it that certain other shows throughout history haven't had. You know, there was a couple of matches that were pretty damn good on it. and I did enjoy the uh, the finish of Daniel Bryan and Big Cass, even though I thought that the uh, the overall experience was not great yeah i didn't um, mind that that much yeah i mean i don't know i didn't i didn't give that match a lot of thought beginning middle or end but i did like the finish i did like the uh, the cross uh the cross face shots to get cast to tap out in the yes lock i thought that was pretty sick um, it was pretty bad seeing like daniel bryan try to move Cass's hand into place yeah because Cass didn't seem to get the sense that he should be you know trying to act like he is powering out of the hold while the hold is put on him exactly um there were a couple of moments i think where i saw daniel bryan have like kind of a look on his face or in his body language of like Wait, jesus i have to do this <laughs> um but you know he's he's learning yeah, big well, cast you know there are some things that you can teach him he's got the height part <laughs> down that's good daniel bryan can't teach him that no one can but, no, uh, but wrestling psychology you can teach that yeah but uh you know i, I brought up that show mostly to, to say that for you know easily the worst show i've watched live in a couple of years mm-hmm. um compared to certain other shows throughout the, the history of wrestling it was you know, WrestleMania 17. Um, what shows might that be? There are a few out there, and tonight uh, we're going to talk about possibly, probably the worst one that has ever come to pass, 1999's Heroes of Wrestling. Yeah, it was, uh, you what know, a fucking bad show. You know, before we get too nostalgic over the Attitude Era and the late 90s <laughs> wrestling boom, mm-hmm. you know, it is amazing to think about how much more wrestling there was and how much more mainstream wrestling there was in the late 90s. Raw was getting watched by like 8 million people on certain nights. Yep. You know, WCW and WWE were doing incredible business and even ECW is a strong kind of super indie third major company at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just a lot of wrestling and it's easy to forget that uh, it's easy to forget Sturgeon's Law. You know? Sturgeon's Law. So Sturgeon's Law uh, is the time-honored adage that... Uh, 98% of science fiction is crap. He was a science fiction writer who was asked this at the convention. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, someone said like, oh, well, why is so much science fiction like juvenile, dumb garbage? He said 98% of science fiction is crap, but 98% of everything is crap. 
And that's uh, a great point because of the <laughs> the volume of uh, wrestling in the late '90s and early 2000s. Then there was also a lot of bad wrestling. And uh, without further ado, we're going to talk about probably the worst from it. This is a pay-per-view that was held in uh, rural Mississippi somewhere on a, a, a riverboat casino, Casino Magic. Yes, Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Put on by a, a guy who was famous for strongman competitions, I believe. Actually, um, he was the, the promoter responsible for basically the real-life version of WWF's ill-fated Brawl for All. Really? Um, yeah, so, he'd arrange these kind of things called tough man competitions that were kind of popular in the late 90s. Oh, I remember tough yeah. man competitions um, um, very, very well, actually, for some reason. I think I've seen one or two. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, since I feel mm-hmm. like you did the bulk of the research going into this this show, but Bill Stone. Oh, that's his name, yeah. Yeah, Bill Stone. Good wrestling name. Great wrestling name. Weird real name. Yeah. Um. Bill Stone, he didn't really give a shit about wrestling by any account that I've seen. Uh, no, not really. So he just gave a shit that wrestling was popular. It was very popular. Right. And he was looking to put on a pay-per-view event. There were a lot of wrestling pay-per-views that back then that were making a lot of money. He thought, you know, maybe I'll break out a piece of that PPV pie. And uh, Ooh, PPV pie sounds very uncomfortable. Yeah, delete that. Um, his, <laughs> yes. he, said, uh, he wanted to do a pay-per-view and he said, I'm going to get in on that wrestling game. There's a ton of great wrestling pay-per-views making big money these days. So, you know, What better way to draw in a pay-per-view budget than by bringing in some of the legends of oh, wrestling. Some of the, the great heroes of the the early television heyday of the sport or the early pay-per-view heyday. You know, people from... 80s WWF and 70s and 80s WCW Jim Crockett promotions all around the territories, legends, superstars, larger-than-life figures, all of whom were conveniently not employed by any of the major wrestling companies at the time. And don't you just wonder why? Just yeah, a little you know, bit? they were all just sitting around ready to, to show off their stuff. But no, actually, the reason why all of these superstars from ages past, Yokozuna, King Kong Bundy, Jake the Snake Roberts, Sweet Stan Lane, uh, George the Animal Steel, Greg the Hammer Valentine, uh, the Bushwhackers, um, there was uh, the Samoan SWAT team, Marty Jannetty, Tommy Rogers, uh, Captain Lou Albano, um, Who was Sensational named the Sherry, the uh, one-man gang. Abdullah the Butcher, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, the Iron Sheik, Tully Blanchard, Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, it's a crazy star-studded big list. list yeah. yeah, and Captain Lou Albano named the uh, named the commissioner of Heroes of Wrestling. Yeah, I believe, they were gonna, show. They were going to get Gordon Soley, legendary uh, wrestling announcer, to make the call. Dirty Dutch Mantel was also there on commentary. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the reason why they were able to assemble this uh, legendary card is because most of these folks were in, frankly, no condition to wrestle. Correct. It's, uh, you know, charitably, the best of them were just too old. Mm-hmm. And uh, all too many of the people on this card were either gravely ill or um, suffering from a lot of personal demons. It's uh, It's actually kind of... Kind of, kind of stressful to watch uh, Jake the Snake Roberts deliver a promo in this this pay per view while completely bent over, leaning on the announcer, who um, yeah. who also looked like he was about five foot two. Like I know 
in WWF these days, they hire ring announcers to, to like, they like stand in like a huge wide legged power stance to make the wrestlers look like ice giants. But this guy looked like a, like a child. So on the one hand, like I kind of find this show difficult. Like you said, um, in the same, it's like, I find Jake Roberts, uh, promo pretty stressful as well. I also just find the general, like the array of superstars from middling to significantly past their sell by dates, um, like just falling on each other in the fucking ring yeah, and just like stumbling and not, it, it just feels like none of these guys knew what they were doing. And then it's like, you think about two minutes ago, the, the list of names that you rattled off. Yeah. And it's like, those are the same fucking guys. Like, how yeah. is that possible? You know, you, uh, you make some really good points. One thing that I, uh, makes me, feel okay about watching this is just knowing that like Jake the Snake Roberts and many of the other wrestlers on this card have kind of turned their lives back around retired yeah. thankfully or those of them with uh, who were battling with kind of personal demons were able to overcome those and yeah definitely you know thankfully Jake's uh, doing pretty well these days so uh, you know now that we've we've gotten that off our chests we can <laughs> talk about some of the worst wrestling that you will ever see and not just the worst wrestling the worst we're wrestling not, announcing yeah we're not i mean we're not the kind of wrestling fans here i don't think who uh you know say that like only a match that features spectacular technical wrestling can be good or memorable oh definitely you know not. um a good storyline and uh an excellent build-up you know some impassioned promos yep. you know excellent mic work from wrestlers you're really emotionally invested in you know that, that can make even sloppy ring work seem uh, important and vital and, oh definitely you know like andre the giant and hulk hogan did like three moves between the two of them at wrestlemania 3 but people still think of that it's as one of the most talked a about memorable matches. match yeah uh this pay-per-view had none of those other things no build-ups no uh no storylines, uh, very odd promos. And uh, so you basically had no idea why these wrestlers were in the ring kicking and punching each other and <laughs> yeah. not doing I mean, anything well, else. To be fair, I think the one big bit of backstory that we were given going into Heroes of Wrestling is uh, the very beginning of the show, the pre-credits of the show. Yeah, features uh, King Kong Bundy. Oh yeah, you're just like just like before even the intro. Yeah, he's like mid-interview too, right? Like I just, thought that I had uh, when I was watching this again, I thought that I had like opened the wrong file or that I was like you know just seeing the second half of the Heroes of Wrestling pay per view. Right, exactly. It, it starts in media res. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. He's in the middle of a fucking promo. King Kong Bundy, let me tell you something. I'm six foot five, 450 pounds, the biggest man in professional wrestling. And that's when FKA Yokozuna Rodney Anawaii comes out and he's like, you're not the biggest man in professional wrestling. I'm the fucking biggest man in professional wrestling. And, and then, Yokozuna is right in that Oh, in, in that scenario, he's absolutely right. He's like 700 pounds at this time. Yeah. Um, but he, it's just, it's the indignance on Bundy's face is what really... Uh, it really buttered my my bun getting into this fucking show. I was really like I was yeah, I was ready for dinner after Before that. Before all of the matches, I mean, let's just take a moment to talk about uh, the general kind of pre, uh, backstage promos and the announcing, just all of the uh Oof. the the quotable moments of this show. Oh, it's so um, sweet. Like you said, there so was sweet. this show featured was going to feature a honestly pretty great announcing team of uh Dirty Dutch Mantel, legendary wrestling manager, commentator, yep. booker, and, uh, you know, the 
the one voice of the, of the famous NWA. yeah sportsman like wrestling announcers Gordon Soley, a yep. true legend. Unfortunately, Gordon Soley was uh, battling throat cancer, I believe, when this was filmed. Correct, yeah, and uh, he had to back out at the last minute. So they brought in uh, this guy Randy Rosenblum, who I know nothing about. Yeah, same. And I, I know as little about him as he knows about wrestling. During this this show, you'll hear this extremely enthusiastic guy with like puffy <laughs> Seinfeld hair talking very loudly, um, calling like a drop kick, like a, a flying, a flying leg kick. yeah, vertical kick or something. He, uh, calls he, a, a, he calls an arm drag like a slam takedown. He calls a backbreaker like a, a he calls the worst backbreaker I've ever seen that I think uh, Nikolai Volkov does. Yes. A, a soft slam. Yes. <laughs> While um, <laughs> yes, Dutch Mantel, um, a.k.a. the dirty one, spends the entire time with his mic turned down to like half of Randy's level, <laughs> just mumbling about every yeah incorrect thing Randy's. He makes the other announcer bad because that guy is just exactly. completely blindsided by how much he needs to correct for this guy. He can't even do that. Exactly. Now to give yeah. you to give if you've never seen this show to give you some idea of what we're talking about, we're gonna do a brief reenactment. Uh, Dan is gonna be playing Randy Rosenblum, and I am gonna be playing Dutch Mantel. So I'm actually gonna move my mic uh, a full foot away from my mouth. Yeah. Ha, would you look at that there, dirty one? Uh, you must be so excited for this action. There's another yeah. kick from Sweet Stan Lane. Well, I was, yeah, what kind of, throw a drop kick. I mean, if they oh, No, it's a vertical kick right there. Ooh, we've got a soft body slam no, from, got, that's, that's, a that's a signature move of back. the Iron Sheik right there. Man, that's a backbreaker. You ain't never seen a backbreaker before? What the hell are you talking about, man? This is a Oh, it's time for this exciting grudge match to be settled. It's time for us to see the legendary rivalry of Greg the Hammer Valentine and George the Animal Steel. These are legends who fought for decades. That's not Their even hatred a... for each other knows no bounds this anyway. This is literally the first... It's time and for... scene. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, they're possibly not even the worst announcers on this, uh, this show because... Uh, <laughs> no. No, you can't forget about the uh, the the ring announcer uh, was the illustrious Crisper Stanford. Crisper Stanford. <laughs> yeah, it's um, what a name. Uh, his name sounds like a captcha. <laughs> yeah, it it's does. two completely unrelated words right there. That would that's like um, the that name robots I would a... probably wouldn't recognize. No, exactly. He's he's like a he's like a, a bot on Facebook. Yeah, he um he's gives a short and sweet appearance here uh, his in his opening speech clearly trying to rip off uh, Michael Buffer the let's get ready to rumble guy oh yeah um, he says throw down your toys and get out of the sandbox playtime's over because tonight somebody's gonna get their ass whooped tonight <laughs> uh, insert tonight I'm gonna rock you right here um, and also keep in mind I think as his voice I, I did a bad impression of him because, you know, my voice is reasonably deep and I sounded a little bit confident on the mic. But uh, this guy, he uh, he sounded like he could have been the long lost brother of uh, Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Your toys and get out of the sandbox. Playtime's over because tonight somebody's going to get their ass whooped tonight in here. 
<laughs> if you don't know him, uh, look him up on YouTube. He delivered a promo once that was almost as bad as uh, this show is. Yeah, almost. Yep. Almost. Yep. Yep. I don't know where they found this dude. <laughs> I feel like they... <laughs> Maybe his name was some kind of like veiled commentary on the WWF because they thought his announcing was crisper than Stanford. those uh, McMahons up in Stamford, Connecticut. Oh. It's a bit of a reach, but I'll take That's, it. Yeah. No, I'll take it. Well, for, for the intents of this episode, I'll take it. And yeah, that's pretty much the last we see of old Crisper. I mean, he's definitely, he's the in-ring voice. I mean, of he's Heroes important because he shows you that from top to bottom, not just the, uh, the wrestlers, but the entire infrastructure of this show is hilarious and terrible. Yes, exactly. Um, there's an opening video package actually that, uh, do you remember the video package where it starts with a, a voiceover just, you know, as it, it shows helicopter shots of the Mississippi yep. countryside. It talks about how, uh, you know, this country in Mississippi river country is still recovering from hurricane Camille, um, which is a hurricane that hit Mississippi like a year or two before. And they, you know, they're like, you know, now the Mississippi coast is ready for a, an explosion, a natural disaster, <laughs> even bigger than Hurricane Camille as these legends of wrestling come home to play. Hurricane Camille Oof. killed 250 people, you assholes. Right? Holy <laughs> fuck. I, I, okay, so a bit of backstory uh, for me, as, as I like to do in these episodes. Um, so I did see this show in June of 2000. Okay. Um, so like not, a full year after it came out, but like a, a minute after it came out, um, a friend of a friend of a friend had it on tape and a bunch of us got really high one night and watched mm. it. And I almost clocked out right then. Like when that announcer was like, <laughs> like when WWE goes to Oklahoma city, they're not like, not since the Oklahoma city bombings <laughs> has this city been rocked by so much intense in ring action. We're you just know, as bad as everybody yeah, else. Yeah, when Jerry the King Lawler is, in, is on commentary for like a WWF show in Waco, he's not like, yeah, this city's getting destroyed even harder than you know, if we were the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Ha-ha! I haven't seen a botch that bad since the ATF tried to take over the Branch Davidians. <laughs> yes! All right, we can, we can move on from this, but it's, uh, I mean... It's not even a good-looking introduction package. It's a fuck-ugly show, top to bottom. Everything about it is ugly as sin. Yeah, there's, there's like, only two camera angles that they use in this show, and both seem to, like, emphasize the wrestler's kind of paunches. Yeah. More than anything. Like, the, you know, if, you're, if you're into dad bods, unironically, then, like, this, <laughs> this is your This is your fucking show. They're going to see Greg the Hammer Valentine stuff himself into his old trunks. <laughs> Um, Looking like a goddamn breakfast link. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's like a Jack Spratt fairy tale where, um, much like some of these wrestlers could eat no lean, um, they make up for it in uh, this manager from the first Samoan SWAT team match. Oh, uh, that guy. This yeah. guy, Paul Adams, who looks like, uh, I don't know, like an even more annoying, even scrawnier, like Jim Cornette, like maybe I, at first i thought he was maybe like like irs but also without muscles well now see i'm gonna actually gonna take it the other way on you 
Like, and who I'm is gonna, this guy? I'm going to say he looks like a jacked-up Harvey Whippleman. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like a this Poindexter manager character. I have um, no fucking clue like, who he is. Yeah. There are a couple of people on this show who actually, like, didn't really have much of a name outside of it. And no, like, this was their... baffle me. Yeah. I mean, there is one that it took me a minute... And we'll come back to this in a little bit more detail in a moment. Uh, Julio Fantastico. Oh, yeah. He's was, part of the match of the night of this show. He really is. But he was actually uh, Julio De Niro in TNA oh, in okay. the early 2000s. Uh, he was part of Raven's Nest with CM Punk and Mickey James. Mickey James at the time known as Alexis Lurie. Anyway, so, yeah, back to this first match with... Um, yeah, this match is... Uh, the Samoan SWAT team versus Marty Jannetty and Tommy Rogers. Okay. Um, and uh, sorry, Roman Reigns haters, this is actually the worst thing that Sika is responsible for. Oh. Um, he, he shows up managing the SWAT team, I think, as yeah, well as this like, kind of scrawny nerd Paul Adams. Yeah. And uh, this match is bizarre. It's very bad. There's a... Uh, there's one time when uh, I think one of the Samoan SWAT team hits uh, Janetti, I think, with a Shinsuke Nakamura-esque dick shot. Yeah. That's... Which gets absolutely no notice from the ref, nor punishment. The guy's looking right at him. The ref kind of didn't notice a lot of things in this show. Like, again, it's like things we'll, we'll get to when we get to them. But like... They didn't not notice things in the way that's fun in wrestling. <laughs> exactly. They just didn't actually notice no, it's just things. He just didn't know what he was fucking doing. Like so many other people running this fucking thing, he didn't know how to do his goddamn job. Yeah, this isn't like a bad WWE show where at least the production is still top notch and the video packages are good and at least you can kind of understand, you know, what point they were getting at with their creative. Right, exactly. This is just a guy who knew nothing about wrestling deciding to do a wrestling show and because it was popular, probably a bunch of people who didn't know about wrestling. Yeah. So anyway, but let's we, go uh, back to um. I mean, I'd, I'd say we don't need to talk about that much too much, no. that match too much. But uh, let's go back to actually the what I would say that is the match of the night, um, Julio Fantastico um, against he, uh, uh, randomly. He was, he was against Two Cold Scorpio. Yes, against randomly appointed Heroes of Wrestling World Champion. Oh, Two Cold Scorpio. Was that what it was? He came out carrying that was my assumption. What, a toy belt. Yeah, it but looked that like was, a toy uh, World Heavyweight Championship. It totally belt. was. It was absolutely a replica uh, World Heavyweight Championship. I don't think belt. they said that he was the champion of Heroes of Wrestling. I just inferred because he was the only person that came out with a World Championship. Also, before I forget, one of my favorite. Uh, Randall Q. Rosenblum uh, flubs of the night was when he was running down the card with the dirty one and it was like a very exciting match with a young and up and up and comer named Julio Fantastico taking on the the legend Too Cold oh, Scorpo yeah. oh, he called yeah. him fucking Too Cold Scorpo and <laughs> yeah. I fucking forgot about that and I lost it I fucking lost it when he said that like I had to turn my computer off and walk away and catch my fucking breath for some reason it's this just like, is definitely the uh, I mean this is the easily the best match and it is not a good match but oh no not really in on this show it's a breath of fresh air it's uh the 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 closest I mean the only match that re- has anything even closely resembling moves Yes. Um. In any kind of profusion. Yes. Uh, there. I mean, Two Cold Scorpio was still in pretty good shape then. Um, yeah. You know, he was 
he was able to go. He he's still wrestling these days, right? I believe so. Um, yeah, and I think he's like fifty five now. Yeah, you know the the two wrestlers that were like actually under thirty on yeah. the show were the best wrestlers on it. Surprise, right. surprise. Absolutely. Well, um, I will say, yeah, just to give it a little bit of props, um, Tully Blanchard versus uh, Stan Lane actually wasn't a bad match. Yeah, it was a pretty was well contested, pretty competitive match. The tied for second worst, second yeah, best, or exactly. I mean, something. The, the I mean, Tully actually it, gave a pretty decent fired up promo before the match started. Oh, he did great. I mean, my big issue with that match is that nobody knew how it was going to fucking finish. Oh, so yeah. So Tully goes to kick out. Stan Lane goes to kick out. The referee counts three, even though nobody's shoulders are on the mat. Yeah. And then he just like, kind of waddles up to fucking Tully and like raises his hand. He's like, and this one yeah. won the match. Can I also say that uh, sweet Stan Lane had like a pretty severe case of like late onset hardcore Holly here, just in terms of his look. Oh, yeah, he really did. The, he uh, got all the original gangster the of love. He was, was all beefy uh, with that square haircut. He looked like if, um, you know, if the fake New World Order Sting had had a surfer phase. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as feathery as it was when he was Sweet Stan. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, I mean, you want to talk about maybe the worst match on this show? The only match, one of, I think, five matches in the history of the Wrestling Observer newsletter to get the minus five stars rating. Please, let's That's, do it. Uh, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov versus uh, the Bushwhackers, or actually Luke and Bush, the team formerly known as the Bushwhackers. Yeah, there's a lot of FKAs on they, this fucking show. I guess man. they technically can't use that name because it's WWE copyright, but they still right. go ahead and say it. They're oh, like, they say it a million times. Luke and Butch, the former Bushwhackers. They're not the Bushwhackers anymore, but <laughs> there's a reason why you're watching this show, and it's not because they're Luke and Butch. This is Yeah, this is again a Randy Rosenblum uh, greatest hit. Yeah. Him fumbling through legality terms. He does it in the main event as well uh, when Rodney Anawaii comes out. And he's like, oh, the former Yokozuna, WWF champion, formerly known as Yokozuna. Yeah. they. Uh... <laughs> but um, yeah, let's talk, about, this, let's yeah. talk about Nikolai and Sheik and, and the Bushwhackers. And fuck it, we're just going to call them the Bushwhackers because yeah. we're not violating copyright. And, you know, it's another reason to... Uh, feel proud of the wrestling we've got now say what you will about roman reigns taking naps you know during uh multi-man <laughs> matches uh i almost forgot about going that. out on the sidelines <laughs> going and kind of disappearing but going uh, down for a cat nap this in the match rumble. is pretty much like 75 percent nap and 25 percent uh and i'll say this in air quotes action mm. um i i think there are there are three or four 10 counts during this match i want to say yeah and each of them is actually about 35 seconds. Yeah. Um, they're really having a hard time keeping it in the ring. They're having a really hard time keeping it together. Nobody rehearsed this fucking thing. Like, yeah, they're, um, they're all know, falling all over each other. Like they're, they, Eesh. yeah, it's pretty much the most immobile match on this show. And, uh, the fact that it's a tag team match doesn't do them any favors. Everyone always seems to be bumbling around, whether they're in the ring or not. And uh, yeah, every time the Sheik is out of the ring, did you notice he kind of just looks like a lost child? Yeah, the Sheik. The, he uh, he came out like throwing the Iranian clubs, all of which <laughs> looked like they were made out of like styrofoam. Yep, um, like clearly weighed like three pounds between them all. Um, 
Was this before or after the Iron Sheik won that gimmick battle? No, that was WrestleMania 17, right? Yeah, that was 2001. Yeah, so it's it's good to know that as bad as the Iron Sheik's showing is here, um, he, he does, still won a battle royal two years later. He comes back to defeat like Duke <laughs> the Dumpster Drozzy and the Goon. And in, Michael uh, P.S. Hayes. A comedy gimmick battle royal. Yeah. Um, the Bushwhackers were also in that. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. They've all moved on to bigger and better things. This is just their uh, their earliest rehearsal. Oh, holy shit. You know what? Literally all four of them were in the gimmick battle royal. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, the early... I mean, I uh, think the... half this show was in the gimmick <laughs> battle royal. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. We've got... Uh, what else is on the card? I mean, the, I the mean, main I want, event... I want to give... Um, yeah. I want to give uh, the this tag match another moment just because I need to let it kind of sink in just how hard these guys don't fight each other. Oh, yeah. Like, how hard they're pulling their punches, how badly they're bumping, how little they're communicating. Like, there's so much wrong with that match that I feel like Meltzer could have very easily created a new category of, like... Negative ten stars. Yeah, for this fucking match, like you know, they're like the, you know, Kenny Omega of negative ratings. Exactly, getting wrestling critics to reach new depths of uh, star quality ratings yeah. possible. I mean, like, you know, I used to work in a hospital like a long time ago, mm-hmm. and um, I have seen like heart attack survivors more ambulatory and more <laughs> fucking alert yeah. than these four gentlemen in that ring that night. But anyway, yeah. let's move on to something else. Uh, it's starting to feel a little yeah. sad. Uh, let's go on and talk about that main event. I mean, there was some other shit on the card, but, you know, A, this is a 19-year-old show. You've probably seen it. B, we're not great play-by-play guys. Yeah. So we're just going to, you know, I mean, we, we cherry-pick... Uh, Watch watch the uh, the promo leading up to the Cowboy Bob Orton versus Jimmy Snuka match. Holy shit! If only for uh, you can see Captain Lou Albana representing Jimmy Snuka give a nonsensical promo about you know this man can suplex a train. He's the man with the hour, the man with the power. Too sweet to be sour. Yeah. Um, Oh, and while blue. Jimmy Snuka like does his best like Madame Tussauds wax figure impression, <laughs> I, I mean I've I've never seen anyone hold a pose that uh, unnaturally. <laughs> There's a kind like, of weekend they, at Bernie's exactly, vibe about it. Exactly, I was like, did they did they weekend at Bernie's him? Yeah, no. The only thing that was dead on arrival was their match, but it sure uh, as I hell digress. Was. So Main anyway, event. that match was bad. Uh, I believe that Ace Cowboy lost after a um, second rope crossbody. That is correct, yeah. Great. Good. Moving on. So the main event of the night, or what was the co-main event of the night, first of two, supposedly, as advertised, was uh, Jake the Snake, uh, previously mentioned on this show as uh, Jake El Serpiente Roberto. Yeah. but for these, this episode, we'll call him Jake the Snake Roberts, taking on uh, one half of the Vaunted Heart Foundation tag team, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Now, this is two years removed of the Montreal Screwjob and one year removed 
of a disastrous attempted run in WCW trying to join his brother-in-law, Bret Hart. Now, to say that uh, the Anvil was bitter yeah. right now would be an understatement, and I would be remiss if I said I blamed him. Yeah. Because uh, I do not. I do not blame him in the least. Now, take all those factors into account, and then you're throwing him in the ring with Jake the Snake Roberts, who has been drinking since last Tuesday. Yeah. This is, a, this is what, a Saturday night? I Let me see. Yeah, it was uh, some, a Sunday night. A I Sunday. Think. Okay, so we're talking like he's this. he's literally on a bender. Like, this is very obvious. He's on a fucking bender. This isn't just a... This is not run-of-the-mill drunken bullshit like yeah jake's on a bed i mean he's he was so drunk that they had to uh make the main event into like an impromptu tag match exactly. with uh, king kong bundy and yokozuna exactly they like, were because previously scheduled to be in a who's the biggest grudge match which again if you stood them side by side with each other there's i mean there's arguments for both well i mean it depends on you're going for like uh height versus uh, like width right or are you going for all around size because I still say that even in an all around size category Rodney Anawai is actually the winner because he was 6 foot 4 yeah and at this time 700 pounds compared to uh, King Kong Bundy's 6 foot 5 450 pounds yeah. so you know in, a 1 inch difference in does Heroes not... of Wrestling it's never too early for big boy season <laughs> oh it's all big boy season all day yeah. and notice um, when this match becomes a tag match uh just around the time after uh jake kind of masturbates the head of the python Mm. and then lays down and starts like licking the python (laughs) and takes his boots off um ooh ooh in the ring yeah in the ring also we forgot to mention and i can't believe we forgot to mention this um after his disastrous interview which we'll touch on in a moment um he makes his way to the ring with a t-shirt on, with sweatpants yeah. on, with cowboy boots on. It's an and iconic he, look. It's an, Yeah, it's a real iconic look. And then he trots off to the back. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happens here. He puts the snake down, like, in and the ring. And just and goes, goes away. back. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, did he think that the snake was going to fight Jim Neidhart? Did he decide, like, I don't want to do this? But then he comes out, like, a full minute and a half later. And he's got no shirt on. Yeah, his pants look all fucked up, and it's like, did he try to like take them all off and like get a nap in before the show? Like, I don't know what's up, what the it's fuck like, is happening. You know, that that gif of Grandpa Simpson like <laughs> coming into the house and taking his hat off, and then like immediately putting it back on and going out the yep. door. Yep, exactly. Um, so after uh, after yeah, he chases Neidhart out of the ring uh, by being too drunk to wrestle, which is fucking reasonable. Um, yeah. So then King Kong Bundy makes his way out to the ring uh flanked by bill stone who yeah. looks like a little king kong bundy <laughs> yeah now true. how the fuck i didn't know what to think when i saw that i was like it's like a diddy kong bundy <laughs> it's like, exactly he's just he's he's like five foot eight and 310 pounds yeah. but like he comes out with this little bald head and he's chasing around king kong bundy like he's circling him like a little fucking moon on jupiter and then all of a sudden Rodney Anawaii comes out and it's like, well, they're clearly going to turn this into a tag match. Yeah. And God bless them. They fucking tried. They tried. Did they succeed? Absolutely. No, they did not. Without question, they did not succeed in this endeavor to turn 
uh, Drunk Jake the Snake versus Jim the Anvil Neidhart into Yokozuna and Drunk Jake the Snake versus the Anvil and King Kong Bundy. No, it's just, it's a fucking mess. And it's like everybody pleads to get Jake on point. Yeah. And it's so, so insane. Like, everybody has to break kayfabe to be like, dude. Yeah. Get so it after the match ends, Jake, uh, like doesn't Yokozuna like brings out like some production guy yeah. who um he like proceeds to just do moves on like Samoan dropping this yep. guy who clearly did not sign up to take any moves on exactly. the show but Yokozuna is just trying to make it look like there's something scripted going on to like at least give some kind of semblance of a plan for here which yeah. Jake just totally doesn't pick up oh, on Oh he no sells it big time There you know Yokozuna's I mean Credit to Yokozuna where it's due. Um, he was in very poor shape to wrestle in yeah. this match, but, but he at did least he best. was trying to, you know, make people less dissatisfied with it. Yeah, I mean, he was trying to send the crowd home happy. He was trying to, um, he was trying to Samoan. He was trying to get Jake to DDT the guy that interfered yeah, in the match. But instead, the match kind of ends the match just kind of stops the, the, i mean the pay-per-view kind of ends ignominiously as jake kind of starts disrobing yeah in the, ex- of the ring yeah yeah that that happens he definitely starts taking his clothes off and you know bill stone just tried not to fucking hang himself i <laughs> yeah. guess like I, it's it's dire. He went back to tough man competitions, which uh, weren't ruined forever by for fans of wrestling by <laughs> WWE's terrible attempt to do one. I think in the same year. Maybe that yep, already no, happened. No, it is. It was the same year. It was 1990. It was earlier in that year. Yeah. Actually, it was 99. Um, going into WrestleMania 15. Oh yeah. Well, and that I mean, was terrible as well. Um, so we're getting really good. At talking about terrible things that have been yeah. recorded for wrestling posterity. We haven't even brought up uh, Jake's interview before this match. Where, oh, let's let's uh, I mean, finish one of the, the most, show on it's, that. It's one of the most memorable things you'll see in wrestling. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty legendary promo for all the wrong reasons. Like we mentioned earlier, Roberts is uh, fall down poorly. Drunk. Yeah. Um, he is, yeah, <laughs> he's actually leaning on the, the very short... Uh, ring announcer or, I mean backstage interviewer and, and I believe he, uh, the, um, the, the I mean to be fair he still sounds pretty he can, he can kind of get the Jake the Snake soft spoken menacing thing down but I feel like However, it's just the way he much, talks yeah it's just a much more real life kind of menace yeah that, it was the real life menace of somebody who's so drunk they're unpredictable and dangerous. Yeah, um, he, and he uh, he delivers <laughs> one of the most famous lines in, in wrestling promos he says you know how does how does he phrase it? Up? Yeah, may I please? Okay, so I forget exactly what the backstage interviewer was trying to ask Jake, um, but his answer is, oh, "You don't want to play cards with me because I'm gonna cheat. I cheat. You want to play twenty one? I got twenty two. You want to play blackjack? I got one of them too. Hell, you want to play aces and ace, baby? I got all too many of those too." But let me tell you something. He's supposed to play that Samuel. And that's just how it goes. You gotta trust me. Trust me. And then he walks to the fucking ring. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm I mean, it's not that I forgot what he said, it's that it is actually unintelligible after the card references. 
Like yeah. really and truly completely You want to play 21, I got 22. <laughs> I got 22. You want to play blackjack, I got one of those too. <laughs> it's like... It's it's actually pretty it's pretty beautiful poetry in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> like it's desperate man poetry. So this was yeah, this is the the this is actually the worst show ever. Um I was being hyperbolic last week when I said December to Dismember was the worst show ever. This yeah. this actually probably is. But that does not mean we're not going to keep talking about you bet your sweet bippy. We're going to talk some more bad shows. And I've got a doozy lined up for next time, buddy. Oh, yeah? What I'm going to take you two years in the future. Oh, yeah? I'm going to take you to a 2002? land... 2001. 2001, all right. Take you to a landmark event in the world professional sport, my man. Yeah? Oh, yeah. We're going to watch the last ever WCW pay-per-view. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Tune in next time. It's going to be a motherfucking barn burner. Enhancement Talent, a wrestling podcast for everybody, was written, produced, and performed by Daniel Thorne and Evan Fox. They are currently sponsored by absolutely nobody. Please sponsor us. <laughs>